0: Empire of the Sun. Suns.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Wet like on Wet like on Wet like on Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: There, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. It is a scatterbrained edition of the podcast. Some Suns news came down right before we were going to head over to the podcasting room here at the Arizona Sports slash KTR News offices. I just got done with four hours of radio on yeah, Wolf and Loop, so all over the place, man. I had to cool. recover from the first <laughs> hour of the show because I just... Hey, their starting center doesn't exist right now. That seems like a bad thing for a team that can't afford to have bad things happen. Uh, the, and, the Cardinals, not the Suns. And I was like, eh, being negative, kind of need to like relax a bit maybe. Uh, but no, we're here. Uh, I feel great. Good. Draft episode. Exciting. We're going to roll through some of the draft stuff. If you want to go to ArizonaSports.com to get a better idea of what we're talking about, if you want to multitask with two things at once, I highlighted 12 total players. Six of them are out right now. The other six will be out Wednesday morning and Thursday morning. I looked at the mid to late lottery, the mid first round, the late first round, early second round, and then the undrafted pool and just got 12 guys who mixed with a Kellen likes them and thinks they would be good on the Suns mixed with what Kellen thinks the Suns normally like in the draft. And these are guys that kind of fit what they need in that range. So I found 12 guys. We'll talk about those 12 guys and more about this draft class in a bit because to kind of tease that for later. I think that they're going to have a pick. In, they're, they are going to wind up with a player selected in this class. I'll say selected even. So like, if they just get an undrafted guy, I think they'll wind up now. Is this yeah. a sign-and-trade thing? Is this them trading into the second round or first round? Me shaving my head? I don't know. We'll see. But we have news to start with, Kevin. Oh, didn't expect Which that. Which one makes less sense to you and seems like it's full of crap? Uh, I will pass the torch to you. We should start with Eric Gordon. There's a Cameron Johnson story we'll talk about soon, which had a very funny anecdotal update to it. 90 seconds before we click record <laughs> with a Phoenix Suns player replying to me on Twitter. There's another... See, I'm in radio mode. I'm Ooh, teasing everything. Yeah, look you at that. four hours. You're a vet now. Yeah. Uh, apparently the Rockets are receiving trade interest from the Phoenix Suns for Eric Gordon. Uh, w- w- uh, shouldn't that they have done that make- last, last year, Kevin? Not, yeah. No. Why, why are they doing it now if they didn't do it last year? I'm confused. Uh... Rockets didn't need
1: him. Rockets didn't need him. What happened here, Kevin? What's going on? Brian Windhorst just linked very vaguely on a segment on ESPN said, Sixers and Suns are interested in Eric Gordon. Big asterisk here. Like the Cam Johnson for a lotto pick trade that was brought up earlier. Also on ESPN uh all this seems to be coming from, I'm not sure, but it seems to be coming from other teams still. Because as you know, the Suns don't let stuff out. And Gambo is checked with multiple sources. What did he say? He he got a double double Yeah, don't know where that's coming from or something like that on Twitter about the Cam Johnson thing. Um their Gordon thing. You pointed out just now that doesn't make sense because they could have done it at the trade deadline. You don't know if the Rockets' terms have changed. Maybe they decided hard resets needed. They just traded Christian Wood to the Mavericks. Maybe they're just like, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we just need to offload this contract. We're going to take something lesser. Um, Don't know what the Suns would send them either. But it's intriguing because I think we all looked at him At the trade deadline, as the guy who could help Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but it doesn't, it's weird because these two things both came out. And one's like a, I I have to mention it, it was Cam Johnson for the lotto pick, but it was worded in that they are trying to open cap space to keep DeAndre in, which they don't need to do. They don't need to,
0: you can save money two years down the road on taxes. I'm at like a six out of 10 on what I want to say and what I can say when I'm on the radio. I'm at usually a nine or a 10 on this podcast. That was the most this is not coming from this team or that team report that I've ever read. It's it either read th- like it's not coming from New Orleans, and it read like it's certainly not coming from Phoenix. Jonathan
1: is. Gavone is good at his job. I don't He's know. He's great,
0: and he he nails a lot of stuff during the draft reporting wise, but that was a whiff.
1: It's either written poorly because it
0: said to keep DeAndre. I don't remember. Not how it works. It's not how it works, but uh, okay. Eric Gordon, $19.5 million next year, $20.9 million player option for 2023-24. I believe it's a player option or team option. Sorry, team option. Um, It's non-guaranteed unless he like won a ring or something which wins a championship or whatever. And that was what we talked about where, oh my God, if you want a championship pay the guy, whatever it's going to cost you because you want a championship. Who cares? This doesn't make sense to me because it would have happened last offseason. Now, maybe the postseason and the way that it unfolded had them spark their interest here again. Again, this reads to me, Kevin, watch out. The smoke monster from Lost is in the room. I was going to He's say, everywhere. I was it's gonna- smokescreen season. Beware where you are navigating beware what
1: you are reading i was gonna i brought up the cam johnson thing because we have one story today that comes out that's they're trying to be very cheap and get rid of cam johnson to save tens of millions on the luxury tax
0: in two years which
1: (laughs) which is like okay
0: they have a reputation for this right that's why it's like that's flexibility is that how we worded it salary cap flexibility i'm wording it that way
1: because that's that's true yeah they would uh but there's that story that comes out about them saving money and then there's this story that's coming out about them wanting to spend lots of money so uh, I guess if it's only this year you could like wave him but yeah it's just to your point smoke screen time smoke season it's like how much smoke is there it's like what is that where they you, you stuff all of the cigarettes from the whole pack in your mouth and light them all at once that's how much smoke is happening right dying? now dying? Yeah. <laughs>
0: death impending death what we have learned over the last three weeks kevin and shout out to our good friend and multiple time appearance uh appearer on this podcast mike v of the timeline podcast he's been nailing this no one knows any like the here's the thing As you guys know, listening to this podcast, I I do not report things. I do not source things. I do not have things. Do I hear things? Do I hear things from inside there? Of course I do. Do I come out here and do I report on them and, and source them and all this stuff? I do not the reasons why i do are are the reasons why i do and i will leave you at that to figure out what i mean because if i say what i mean it's gonna sound like i'm insulting a whole lot of people when i say it but you can put two and two together as to why i don't want to have to report or cite certain things to lean certain ways when i don't lean certain ways like i kind of already said it there not your jam now do Wode shams chris haynes mark stein certainly not certainly not my jam at all <laughs> Do they know things within internally, what the Suns are doing? I think there's a really good chance that they do. Now, are they saying these things, reporting these things out in the wild? No. Will one of these these drop the morning of the draft? Maybe. Will it drop heading into free agency as the big story? Sure. I mean, all the Baxter Holmes stories on the Sarver investigation, I think 80% of them have come when the Suns play on ESPN or ABC. Again, I, I didn't mean to take us down this path path, but I did, to illustrate this whole point of what we've learned, is that... The Suns keep it tight over there, man, in their front yeah. office. Like I the examples I use on the air, like this dame saga, we've heard everything about. Everything going on with the Lakers, you know what I mean? When that Jimmy Butler stuff happened with Miami, we didn't really hear much about it. We didn't hear much about it at all, because they're keeping it tight. The Suns keep it tight. James Jones knows what he's doing. So <laughs> all of that is to say, like, it, <laughs> this is not coming from them the The Eric Gordon stuff did they make a phone call about Eric Gordon between the end of the season and now maybe maybe they did, and it's one of those things where that phone call can be interpreted as the sun's being interested, and that's the thing about again I, I, we're talking I hate why we're talking about reporting. I was eventually going to talk about this on this podcast eventually, but it's like if the suns had a three minute phone call about Eric Gordon, does that mean they want to trade for Eric Gordon? No, does it mean that they're interested in the thought of him? Maybe. Or are they just checking to get info for other teams? It's like it goes in so many different directions with this reporting stuff. And thank God I don't have to deal with that, to be 100% honest, especially at this time of year. But again, the smoke monster is in the room. Shout out to my lost heads. The ending wasn't that bad. (laughs) Say what you will. Fantastic show. This is all like this is this part of the year. And the Eric Gordon thing to me does not sound like something that came from them. And again, we know when something is involved with the Suns. Remember when the Kelly Oubre stuff came out two years ago? No. <laughs> at like, remember at the deadline when uh, I think it was Stein Stein reported like the Suns are, might trade Kelly Oubre, and that was at the time where the Suns had like no assets or no good Primark, players, Brooks, basically. Yeah. they had. Yeah, they had uh, Devin Booker. I think that was before that was uh, 2020 deadline, so two years ago and it was like Orlando for Aaron Gordon or something was being something of that effect and okay. it was just like if they trade it inspired the tweet that I had today which was the first it was the, the baby of that tweet which is I put if they trade hurricane dad for an overpaid power forward I'm abandoning all technology and moving to Macedonia that's how it fell in terms of the foolishness of them doing that and then of course like them like discussing that it's like a, maybe they discussed it but how serious are they about trading Kelly Oubre not very serious probably now are they serious about it when it involves Chris Paul? It, it, it involves Chris Paul so now we're here again and it's like if they trade cam johnson just so they can avoid taxes and to e- what okay this front office would not see out cam johnson's 5.8 million dollars next year first of all before getting to that would not sign him to this extension before getting there before competing in restricted free agency like it just doesn't compute at all with what they do and it's a lot easier for us to say that than someone like jonathan gavoni who to be honest like shouldn't be up to like he's got walker kessler to look at he's got sec tape to can watch through dog like he doesn't have time to be looking at the fluctuations of their cap situation so when he hears something like this did he hear from someone legit of course he did it's trying to think of one. he's one of the best experts and reporters that we have in the entire league but this is this is nothing it's, yeah. it's crap it's just crap but
1: but you have to trade someone if you want to trade into the draft so i mean everyone's ripping me right now so i'll just say what i said say it if you like a guy who falls to eight, and I don't think this draft is going to have a guy who even gets close to falling to eight, but if you like a guy and you think it makes you better, and I threw out Ben Mathurin as an example, if you think he can be the third guard and you save money, the, the whole asterisk on my point is if you think you can get better, I, I think it's it'd be surprising to trade Cam Johnson for the number eight pick. I think half the teams in the league wouldn't like that, and those probably are the bad teams in the league who wouldn't make that trade, but I think half the... Like, Cam Johnson's not enough for number 8 is what I'm trying to say. Let me defend your dumb take. But the Suns have... He's valuable to the Suns to that point.
0: Let me defend your dumb take. You ready? Thanks. (laughs) I love you, buddy. Say it back. Love you. Thank you. Benedict Matherin. Incredible athlete guy. Ooh, they need one of those. Really good shooter. Ooh, they need one of those. Dribble guy, probably. Ooh, they need one of those. So, again, to your point they could really use someone who has that skill set, who has all these things that they need. And, like, you've been nail on hammer for four years now about how they need to get more athletic. And Matherin is the type of guy, exactly. For it, but yeah. Now, for the price of Cam Johnson, no, sir. I'm going to kick you to the curb. We've got to replace him somehow. So, again, the report, there's nothing to it. But... If you if you say... Did we say the part with Gambo, by the way, where he double confirmed? From, I kind of said it. Yeah. He, 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 he says it's, nothing it's to it.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, But the thought of doing this but if you are going to trade da also for the thought of getting someone in the lottery trading something a future first and one or two players to get into the lottery when a team doesn't want to be there they're like ah we're good on Jeremy Sohan or Ochai Abaji, and we're like, wait for 14 So for fourteen in the draft this year, we just have to give up an unprotected first in two years, and then or a lightly protected first in two years, and then we just have to give up like one of those three expiring contracts. Like that's it. That's all we have to give up. Yeah, and it's like Ochai Abaji, who could be a wing for your team for a decade. Jeremy Sohan could be your long, sought after sort of small ball five year four kind of guy. Tari Eason, who could just be your. Again, athleticism, like, mm-hmm. holy smokes, that kid flies Defense. all up and down the floor. Defense, Jalen Williams, you can get Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, who's great ball handler. And, like, his play in the last year is, like, what, Where? why wasn't this guy in the first round last year? Like, where, where did this kind of come from? Because this guy's awesome. There's a lot of names there that make sense for what they what they need and kind of, like, what they want. Do you have anything else to add on Eric Gordon or Cam Johnson before Ugh. we go on? Like, the uh, thing, We kind of just like, tossed aside the Eric Gordon thing, but we've talked about Eric Gordon so yeah, much on this podcast, and none of the reasons have changed beyond the fact, like, why didn't you do this at the deadline if you want to do it now? But if they did it, great. Like, shooter, yeah. ball handler, like the athleticism thing, not really because he's old, but hey, like, I that, think would, that would do well. The most valuable thing that came of these two
1: reports today is we get to talk about these things, I think, yeah. instead of just... Like say maybe they'll make a draft pick. How about Clint Capella and Bogdan Bogdanovich? Yeah. Buddy? So How about here's that? here's our seg. That's our segue into the draft coverage. I think we can just go into it. Are we good? I'm good. I'm perfect. I couldn't be better. I, I love
0: having conversations about this stuff. So me too. I'm, I'm, I'm glad these things existed. But three weeks ago when the suns got eliminated and i was staring down uh, i'm making this sound bad i love covering baseball but just staring down covering a lot of baseball the next couple of months and just we're like okay the draft's coming up and you would just kind of mention to me when you would sign off like okay just look at some draft stuff and then i came back to you and i was like here's a list of 15 guys what should i do with this and you're like i don't know bother bother me about it it. bother me about it. it later sure do it and then lo and behold I've got this four-part series out on ArizonaSports.com. I think I already mentioned this. I can't remember. Again, I just got to 4 hours radio. I saw oh, yeah, a lot of did. stuff on the air already. So I, I did promote it, but again, um, four parts, 12 total guys that we're kind of looking at. And the logic behind this, and this is where we can start the conversation, is why do I think that there's a good chance that the Suns wind up with what I a what I answered with? Pick. A player who was selected in this draft. How would they get there? For one, DeAndre Ayton signed in trades could easily include a player that was drafted in the first or second round. I listed, like, I think 15 or 16 total picks just from the the Portland's, the Indiana's, the Atlanta's, the Toronto's, the Detroit's of the world. Like, I listed all of them out. And then the other part of that is that John Camador reports that they're – he seems dead set on, like, they are very interested in trying to get into the second round at least and then navigating kind of from there. So can they trade – One of these players and that pick that they acquire to move up even further, can they give up a future first to get a pick at thirty-two or something? Like, can they do something like that? Basically, and I think that that behooves them very much in terms of behooves. I think I used that word right. I don't know. Again, yeah, everything's a blur right now. So sorry, keep going. Well, there was the the Ty Jerome trade where it's like, yeah. Here's the 2021st. We're gonna move that sucker up a year, and we're gonna get Aaron Baines while we're at it. Can you do something like that? I think so. Maybe I don't think it's crazy. It doesn't seem like from not only Gambo reporting this stuff, but just like the vibe that I've gotten from the 20s and 30s range. It doesn't seem like everyone is crazy about it. I think it's great. I think it's a really good part of the draft. I I think the draft is this draft is actually really good. I really like this draft. Now, does it have? A seven-time All NBA? Are there going to be any Hall of Famers? I think to come there from this class, are going to be misses in the top ten. I think. Yes, there is no Zion Williamson, Luka Doncic, Blake Griffin. I don't know if John Wall was in there, but just like I know Blake was like he's going to be yeah. incredible. Zion was like he's going to be incredible. Luka was we like. We don't that even for know me, who's one. I don't know if the top three guys are that good. We don't know that, but I think that the draft class from that point on is pretty darn good and has a lot of different offerings to give you. I wrote a piece that went out on Monday on three guys, mid to late lottery, and two of them are not even guys that might go in the mid to late lottery. They might fall to the mid first round, late first round even. I wrote about Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor, Ochai Abaji, the wing out of, Kansas and then Dyson Daniels the Aussie point guard who played for the G League Ignite last year you wrote you edited this story you helped push the story did any of those three names pop out to you in terms of intrigue which one you liked the most I mean you convinced me on Dyson Daniels just because I haven't gone in depth about it but to to be clear before we start Mm -hmm. I wasn't really pitching that hard for him and, and I'm not crazy about him right but what he is and what they could use it's like Ooh. also the upside stuff giant playmaking point guard am i right on this Can
1: so play he off the ball
0: though so he came into the g league ignite and he was like six six or something or mm-hmm. six five and a half and then they measured he everyone uh like sam bassini and all them were hearing reports back like oh yeah he grew he's bigger and then he measures at the combine he's six seven and a half so we round up he's six eight and it's like whoa
1: Sean Sean
0: Livingston kind of stuff and then it's like that it's like well wait can he just be a wing then yeah it gets really interesting defense I think I was also
1: intrigued because I just don't I don't know I don't get excited over the the role player type guys if you're drafting that high in the top 10 I think it's worth examining young guys who take these untraditional routes so that's why he stood out to me like Abaji fits like a glove for this team but does he really give you another rotation body blah 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 to help I-, I think so but definitely looking more into the future i don't know i i just think this team is at a point where they need to get aggressive and go for something that might turn out well now and the future which is also could backfire completely and not turn out well at all like jalen smith
0: Long-time listeners and readers will be aware that I have my hives. Dante Hive. Great start. We're really battling through adversity right now. He's stuck (laughs) in Sacramento. I think they're about to pay him. Oh, no. He was in Milwaukee, and then he he had to get hurt when they won the freaking finals, and it could have done so much for his value, and then instead. Okay. Realer Hive. uh, We still have our outposts, like multiple, (laughs) still up and running. But we need like Skelting an insertion crew. of funds. Yeah, yeah we Skelting have to cut crew. back some hours. It's getting rough. He's had some workouts here and there during the off season, from what I've heard. So maybe he'll finally get healthy and start to find a spot somewhere. Reeves Hive. Oh, my gosh. The reason we we're able great. to afford Will- Riller Hive and, and, and Dante Hive to be up and running is because <laughs> of, of Reeves Hive. We did really well there. Good for ourselves there. I don't have a hive guy out of this class. I really don't. The closest I come is to one of the undrafted guys, Vince Williams, out of ECU, who I think is a borderline first rounder. Just Every now and then, there's a guy in the second round or third third round, quote unquote, the undrafted range uh, that I really like. I really like Jalen Noel out of Washington, and he's hanging on right now as a rotation piece. It seems like he's like third, he's like third point guard, skilled kind of guard in Washington, uh, Minnesota, rather. The closest I come is Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor i winced by the way you did you did indeed um this is one of those where you rattle off everything great about him and then you're like okay why is this guy going 15th and then you see that he shot 59 from the line 29 from three and you're like oh just production that's isn't there why and he averaged nine points per game and all this stuff uh in order for me maybe it's because i've been around baseball so much and like Baseball's a very romantic sport, but I got borderline romantic about just the future of basketball and what I see in Jeremy Sohan as well. The way that I phrased it, offensive on-ball versatility, defensive positional versatility. Those are two things in the league right now. That's two things everyone wants. This guy does both of those things. He does. Uh, is he Draymond Green or Ben Simmons? If he's not, who is he? How often do we see guys who could be Draymond Green or Ben Simmons not be Draymond Green or Ben Simmons? Uh, you have to be like a generational defensive talent. He's a five-position defender who might be a generational defensive talent. I, I'm saying that out loud, I guess. I, I, I shouldn't say that out loud. I'm saying a might with like a 3% chance that he is, but I think he's really good defensively. I made the analogy in here. Or just the point. We need to talk about five position defenders like we talk about five tool players in baseball because they are really rare and guys that can actually do it. Like Jeremy Grant. Why is DeAndre Hunter being like paired with Trae Young is Hawks aren't going to touch him. That's kind of why. That's why indeed. But with that in mind, you pair his defensive versatility with how hard he plays. He was my favorite guy I watched on tape Hmm. because there was... A Kansas clip, which I put in there, where it's three possessions and it's just him swinging the game by himself because he's boxing out a 260-pound center. And it's like he's sealing him and then getting his hip back around him to box him out and boxing him out. And then he's running the break, doesn't do anything too stupid, waits for his dive, dives back in, then he blocks a shot the next time down. I'm like, oh. He's everywhere on the court in a way that is the analogy that I made. Like Draymond Green, Patrick Beverly would want to adopt him you are not going to like watching him uh, play against the Suns. If he plays against the Suns, if he plays for the Suns, you're going to adore him. The Manu Ginobili rule clause, as we call it, the, that type of thing. You love him on your team. You hate him on any other team. He's that type of guy. Kev, he shot 75% at the rim, and 35% of those were unassisted. I used a lot of assisted, unassisted hoop math numbers here, and I don't know if I'm over-relying on them too much, but I think it's so important to have individual creation in your game at this point in the league. That him having 35% of those drives be unassisted and shooting 75% at the rim, because usually guys shoot really 75% good. at the rim, that means that they're like getting assisted 80, 90% of the time. That's an Abaji thing. Abaji, it was like, oh, there's not, there's that's a lot of assisted buckets. I think it was half of them for him, and he's a wing. Yeah. Sohan's a big. So I liked a lot of that. It, it looked rather stiff and coordinated in a way where it was almost like his planned footwork like the spin move that DeAndre Ayton always does it's like Sohan does the same spin move he always does he's he's 19 though and I see the skill there but then for the jumper he shot 42 percent on two-point jumpers and 68 percent of those were not assisted so like there's some the jumper looks good too it looks fine I w- can he be rim roll guy if he's like a small five which is where the passing pops and it's like yeah yeah, he can be now why did he only average an assist and a half instead that's where i'd have to watch the entire baylor year have a better understanding of what they're doing but it's obviously not something where if he was enough of like an actual playmaker 1.8 assists it should be more like 3.8 uh red flag yep maybe not
1: yep watching them just because they zone a lot does that kind of like are there questions about how he could hold up in man to you
0: no, because I'm going to get crazy on the generational defender thing and say Washington did that with Matisse Thybulle too. That's
1: true. Yeah, different position, but
0: very different position. And he is like again, you're talking about once in a generation player in terms of what he does. Like defensively, it's him. He like actually goes around screens in a certain way on purpose so he can defend you from behind. It's bizarre and probably frustrating to watch, but it works for him to a certain extent. Uh, the jumper is the thing, and then again, he is not. We're going to talk about Tari Eason and a couple of other guys. He's not like an A-plus athlete. He's a B-minus athlete. So then in terms of some quicker guards, they might get around him a bit, but I I don't know. I I just think that he's really legit, and again, 19 years old, and I look at him as more of an upside pick. The way that I think about him, and again, this is me like using examples that are way too big for who I'm talking about, but I don't care. The way we talked about DeAndre just being a raw prospect at number one overall, that's how I talk about him as a lottery pick. Like, There's an argument for all these skills that are ready to go right now, and they technically are, but view him more as like a raw upside guy with the development because if the dribble gets a little bit better, if the creation for himself gets a little bit better, and just defensively, he's smart. And again, work rate and IQ, I saw all of that all the time when I was watching him, which made me feel really good about him. If you get all of that... You now have what is the modern power forward. Everyone wants the modern power forward like this. They want someone who can do a little bit off the dribble, can defend pretty much anyone. So it's like if you have Steph Curry that night, he can handle those switches. But then if you want to throw him on Paul George, you can throw him on that, like the quicker, bigger guard. What if they have Kawhi Leonard, though it's more of a power wing, he can handle that. It's like, okay, what if they're going small? It's like, well, you can just play him at center then, and then he's defending every single ball screen and they have no shot. Did we... Did Scotty Barnes
1: kind of have the same energy where it was like he just came out of nowhere? We think he's good at all these things. And then the Raptors were correct in seeing Didn't, that these little skills all add up to, you know, one of those players where it's you're going to be a better NBA pro than like I think Jaden Ivey falls into this too. When we talk about guys at the top of the draft, where it's like he's just not going to pop in the college game. But in the NBA, there are some players by style who
0: just like fit better i guess guess who else came off the bench and averaged around 25 minutes a game in their college career for their one freshman year before they went to the draft scotty barnes oh that's that's what sohan did like he came off the bench for them and they're like oh my god the tari Easton thing too. lsu similar kind of thing but scotty barnes 24 games started seven played 25 minutes a game took eight shots a game averaged 10.3 points per game and then it was just like he's he is on the there's six, seven guys in the league maybe who can defend five positions. He can. He's a, yeah. if you didn't watch a lot of Toronto this year, you missed out on watching him. He's unbelievable, and I don't say that in a way where he's one of the best prospects to come out. And blah blah blah. No, I'm just saying like the way that he defends. It's like there's three guys that do that, and, yeah, and, and he's one of them, and it's crazy. He's so he's so good on that end. Shout out Leonard Hamilton, by the way. Shout out our guy. He keeps just producing. That's my Jeremy Sohan pitch. Okay, on the Suns. You get that little bit of pop, but again, just athlete, defensive. We're going to talk about EJ Liddell, who's one of my favorites in this yeah, draft, too. To and he's about- just like, they need guys who are consistently impacting the game beyond. I, I use the term fingerprint guy in this series where that is the Mikel Bridges guy consistently making their presence known on the game. I feel like I've subconsciously made it more important because of DeAndre and everything that's been talked about with him the last month. But with that being said... I think someone like EJ Liddell, who just like blocks shots, hits threes, can score 15 a game if his first step is quick enough in the league. Like That type of impact to that level where there's production there is too. I think Sohan is the type of guy where, yeah, he's going to have nights in the league where he has 11 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. And you're just talking about how incredible he was the whole night. I think that he's that type of player. And again, he... His, his profile is like a prospect he kind of reads like again like a three four year guy you need to remember he's a freshman he's 19 and and i i really like him he's my favorite guy that they could potentially get in the lottery and he would fill in a lot for them and you could even run him at five quite a bit like that's why i like him a lot too i i just i think there's a lot to like there with him he's my he's my favorite guy in the top half of the draft for sure i'm
1: just looking at names in mid first and the lottery to late first i just don't there are not that many guards I trust in this draft up high there. it's a really weird part of this draft like Liddell great Sohan Abaji, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara who's a guy who can do a lot of little things Tari Eason the
0: but then you get to all these ball handler prospects and you're like okay Kennedy Chandler Blake Wesley Kennedy Chandler's like one position point guard, which listed as a point guard by ESPN Dalen Terry. Yeah. Jaden Hardy, who was a top five prospect in this draft a year ago. Marjon Beauchamp. And then you get to like Nemhard. Yeah, Nemhard's the one that of looking like a Suns guy, he's what I don't I eight point six. Yeah. Doesn't defend enough positions, everything else, pretty good. Yeah. But he's a big guard. I don't know. I could just see James Jones getting him in like a three-on-three workout and just seeing how much better he makes all of his teammates while being super smart on the court and just him salivating at seeing that kind of workout, you know? Is he similar to Brogdon where
1: you could just flip him in and out with those other guards? No,
0: because Brogdon weighs like 240. Yeah. (laughs) And and Nemhard is a one-position defender, and I'm not sure if he can defend his position that well. Yeah. But I think you're okay there. Uh, Who interested you the most out of that – the the first half, so I'll say Sohan ranked 15th by ESPN. He's in that range for everyone else pretty much. Yeah. Um, We didn't talk about A.J. Griffin or Johnny Davis, who are two names I want to bring up for the Suns just because A.J. Griffin is raw, but he's like A.J. Griffin in two years is a Suns guy probably. He's just not a Suns guy right now. Is that Adrian's son, right? Am I making that up? I think so. Uh, that, that would add to some
1: like NBA blood yeah
0: i talked about this on the air johnny davis it's it's really fun i talked about this last year too where i was it reeves i can't remember who i, I think it was reeves where i was like you watch a lot of steve or nico it was nico man i was like you watch a lot of steve nash buddy <laughs> like a lot and johnny davis is like you watch a lot of devin booker buddy and then sure enough yeah. he comes out and talks and he's like yeah i, I model my game after devin booker and it's like oh yeah that, that works out i don't know if
1: the shot creation for him will translate super efficiently. It wasn't
0: but the great thing is like he's one of those weird guards, six five guards who grabs nine rebounds a game. Yeah. And he's a great defender and is just energy. Again, you don't have to worry about that stuff. What I talked about on the air was that we see three in D guys, we don't see scoring in D guys a lot, and he's a rare one with that where he has the defensive intangibles and all that kind of stuff already and then he's a guy who could average twenty a game in the league. Uh he's he's an extremely intriguing um ej liddell i I
1: like just for the fit and just solid does a lot of different ways he can score again yeah Uh,
0: smart guy again i don't know what subconsciously about me is doing this maybe it's something i don't think it is i love power slashers Uh guys who get to the rim and they you watch EJ Liddell highlights and his defenders there and putting a hand in his face. And he just I, I have the stat uh, in the story that I'll pull up. But his numbers just on efficiency are crazy when you watch him play because he doesn't take a lot of quote unquote good shots from the mid range A lot of them are sort of contested or again, the guy's right there. It's this weird 11 foot floater kind of deal for him. And I called him a mid range maestro because he took 51 percent of his shots on two point jumpers and he and he made 48 percent of them. And 81% of those were unassisted. Like, he is... There are not many guys in this class who walk out and, like, that is an individual source of offense. Six-foot-seven, seven-foot wingspan, 243. So he's a four, probably. Yeah. What happened is he came out last year and they were like, ooh, that body fat number's got to go down, buddy. We got to lose a little bit more weight. And and you got to get that three going a little bit more. His three is on a line, which is concerning because you worry about NBA range and stuff. Shot 37% on him. And then, again, like... We're talking about a guy, individual source of offense, not a ton of catch and shoot opportunities. He did did get quite a few, but not a ton. But the crazy thing about him is like 2.5 assists, 2.4 turnovers per game. I loved seeing the assists go up for him, which means you are learning. You were a primary dude who saw extra defensive attention and you understood how to make your teammates better off that. But the craziest thing about him is two and a half blocks per game. Yeah. Not a crazy explosive athlete, but just he has, he has the sixth sense for shot blocking opportunities from the weak side and just as a help defender in general. And then on the ball, I really like the way that he moves. He just moves like a basketball player. And I don't know why that's a <laughs> thing that I just said out loud because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But you just watch the way that he, again, getting from 18 feet to eight for him is like just getting out of bed. It is so easy is- for him and he is so back to what i was saying he cut he cut a lot of weight is he does he have a little bit more like 10 15% 20% more athletically to get to where he's got a quick first step or a decent first step because if he does Kevin like 15 a game no doubt about it plus defender because of his shot blocking he's defending three positions now and then if he can shoot like oh my goodness like you're talking about a truly dynamic two-way offensive player at that position at the four where you don't get a ton of that like I I really like him 21 so check for the Suns right there he's 21 ding 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 Um, ESPN ranks him 20th the ringer ranks him 20th the athletic ranks him 33rd he's slipping a bit from what I can tell which is the if qualifiers and stuff but he's just solid is he going to make a couple all-star teams probably not but he's just solid with a lot of skill and I think I think he makes a ton of sense for, for Phoenix. I
1: think he makes a ton of sense because when you talk about the easiest way to fill a couple of holes on the Suns as is right now, he brings all that. Like I don't know if people compare him to TJ Worm, but to me he kinda has that I'm yeah. not the best athlete, but naturally I can get a shot off. Like don't
0: don't worry about it. TJ never took bad shots because it just didn't matter what the defense was individually. Yeah. If it was double teams. like he d- Yeah, he does it in different ways, but it's still just like that natural
1: scoring sense. And I think there's so much value that this team specifically could have.
0: Um, what if they had a guy who got to the free throw line? Holy smokes. Yeah. What about that? It's uh, 6.9 per game this year, 5.8 last year. And then when he played 16 minutes a game as a freshman, like 2.7. So like he gets to the line. And again, like... The way in which we see some people hesitate about physicality, I'm subtweeting DeAndre, no doubt, but I'm just talking about generally with anyone. Like He's just like, again, it is so easy for him to move through contact, and you just watch some of these finishes where guys are just hitting him on the arm, and the defender looks confused as to like, that went in? What? And I saw that there's like... Not flopping for fouls,
1: he's just going to get buckets. And then if they call a foul, fine. I love those types of player.
0: And I love how there's there was like a again i saw a couple of games of a lot of these guys for the most part with who i could but there's like a thing where this is i was searching through videos for him and it's like oh here's ej liddell's 300th and one finish of the year because apparently <laughs> he just does that all the time and it totally checks out when you watch him because it's just again like contact bothers some people he's and again with what the sun's like like toughness skill iq development year-to-year progression like check 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 like check, we check keep talking about perimeter
1: players and helping book and CP, but it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what position it is. It's they need more guys at the end of the possession. Who are you feeling comfortable having the ball? I, I, I don't think they could say Mikel or Cam Johnson are like, here, have the ball, go do something, and it would be that good of a shot. But I think adding that at the four would be huge for this team. And And that's passes, too. Like, I think that's why it's valuable. And that's why, on the side, the Jeremy Grant and that kind of stuff like makes sense if you're talking about upgrading the roster.
0: What did you think of Tari Eason when you read about him and watched him? Because I, I have no idea. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I, I love the energy. I and, listed him as forward slash center because yeah. like, he played small ball five like all year basically, but is he? can he be a five in the league, like a 217? I don't think I don't, so. I don't think so. But. It's
1: weird because...
0: He seems like... I don't know. Is he that good of an athlete? I'd I, say if I had to put like a letter on it, like B plus, A minus. Yeah, I think... He's not A plus though. He plays like he's A plus. In plus, the full plus,
1: court, plus. he's really good. But to me, I don't see him like being... Like you were describing Sohan, like that kind of athlete. Um, He's a little wily, would you say that? Do you like his decision making i'm not sold on him but
0: i can be talked into it i guess remember when we were talking about jaron jackson we're like oh he fouls a lot mm-hmm. and then you watch them in the playoffs and you're like oh where's J- oh he has three fouls in the mid second or the early first really the early second quarter that's why he's not on the court he does that with the ball too so, it's like one of those things where you watch this decision making <laughs> with the ball and you're like, ooh, can we give you the ball a lot? Because you seem like you kind of. And then don't other know times it's like, oh, it. he's great. Um, remember the part where I talked about EJ Liddell's assist? and I was like, ooh, yes. Uh, Tari Easton averaged 17 points per game. I think he played like 25 minutes a game or something. So, his per numbers are ridiculous. Shot 52%, too, which is like, again, efficiency is great. 1.0 uh, assists. turnovers turnovers weren't crazy high but the assists were really low and that's where again Liddell I'm like Mm -hmm. two and a half assists yes you need to be able to do that Tari Eason needs to be able to do that he can't he's 21 too Mm -hmm. he kind of came out of nowhere so he's a little bit old as well but I look at what he does as like again modern day power forwards like what are they it's something some version of this dude it's some (laughs) version of EJ Liddell and some version of Jeremy Sohan like that's what I keep kind of coming back to and with him it's like I included the clip in there where he's just zigzagging on crossovers and then just dunks and slaps the backboard and I'm like oh my god who are you where did you come from and then you watch him defensively and you're like is this like is he the best defensive player in this class which is uh, the rates that he's doing are are pretty insane like we're talking about 1.1 blocks per game 1.9 steals per game I don't think or I did go in here okay 4.5 steal percentage Who, who cares what does that say 6.2% Six point two percent block percentage again, like I'm just saying numbers out loud. Who gives a crap? <laughs> when putting in those numbers plus a threshold of twenty games played, sports references database going back to twenty ten, Matisse Libel. That's it. Hmm. When I'm looking at names that were first round prospects. So there are like no names from Mercer or whatever who did that, but I'm not including them because I'm grading on NBA prospects. But again, twenty ten, only seventeen total guys did that. So in terms of defensive playmaker, as I've phrased it in the past, he's a defensive playmaker. Like Mikel is a is the best defender on planet Earth, arguably, that when Draymond Green is not healthy, but his steal and block percentages aren't really that high. Kind of it hurt him in the defensive player of the year stuff. He's a but you do get like that's the thing, like there is value to getting that. There is value to that, and, and Tar Eason provides that. You remember the Jaron Jackson Jr. stuff? He shoots it like him too, mm. little like not the sh- shooting motion you like. But what did I see? Shot put was uh, that was I think that's uh, my boy Vince Williams who shoots like Sam Perkins. Thirty six percent from three, L- little shot putty. It's like it's like just over here on his shoulder. I, I think it was someone nervous. else. I read that, but yeah. 36 from three, though, a lot of those were off the dribble from him. But again, he's taken off the dribble threes. It's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> what is LSU's
1: Sir? deal? Do they have a good team? I don't even know. That's where, That's where it, I don't know.
0: I talked about a couple of guys like that last year where it was a really unique experience just watching for three days, basically not really watching the college basketball season. This is like if I knew the LSU team. I'd have a better feel for him, but I don't. Right. Same with Santa Clara and Jalen Williams. No idea, yeah. Like I got no clue like how much of that was just him being the only guy who could do anything and him getting the opportunity to do that because of that. Uh we don't really need to talk about Jalen Williams. I just briefly mentioned it there. He can dribble, he can shoot. Is he fast enough? We don't know yet, but his like he's got humongous shoulders, also a guy who uses contact. All those guys are kind of interesting. Uh same game. The peace going live tomorrow morning. Jake LaRavia, power forward out of Wake Forest. Wendell Moore Jr., Duke, small forward, I will mention. Chris Paul, AAU tie here. Oh. Andrew Nemhard, Gonzaga point guard. Those are the three names I mentioned, and these three names are particularly important to go after because this is more of the realistic range where the Suns could actually get in and nab one of these guys potentially. Anyone stick out to you? Or or who popped the most? Is it LaRavia? LaRavia, yes. Okay pronunciations hard
1: i think he's intriguing because those num- oh, just, numbers
0: go crazy first of all
1: yeah um better athlete i think than people give him credit for he's rising up the boards i, I was surprised i was yeah. i was
0: watching him move around the court and i was like oh you can kind of move a bit it's not terrible what do you think his biggest strength is as far as smart yeah there's the clip I include in the piece where he does five things in three seconds and wins the possession. I'm like, who else is doing that? Like it's yeah. him and Chris Paul and a couple of other guys. Again, here I am comparing people to Chris Paul. <laughs> Great. Only the smartest <laughs> basketball player of all time comparing him to. But I'm saying like he is incredibly smart on the floor. Just super smart. I said production out loud there. 14.6 points per game, six and a half rebounds, 3.7 assists, 2.7 turnovers, 1.7 steals, 1.0 blocks. He shot 56% from the field, 38 from three, 78 at the line. But oh, do you remember what I led this with? Do you remember? No. Our old friend at U of A. You're remembering now? Remember when oh. Solomon Hill was like really like pretty good at everything on the wing and we're like, oh, well, that seems like an NBA guy, but is he great at anything? And that's where I stare at Mr. LaRabia, and I'm like, and we're not sure about your jumper. Like, can you be a plus? If you're a plus shooter, then, like, you're in the first round. Yeah. But if you're not a plus shooter, and you're kind of one of those 34, 37 guys, you know, like, your passing is your biggest strength probably, but you're a wing and, like, a four probably. Um, I just keep coming back to how smart he is and how much he impacts the game in a bunch of different ways to him being a first-round guy anyway. I don't think it makes a ton of sense for the Suns, though wouldn't
1: slot in immediately yeah like he would take time 20 years
0: old right now they don't need that type of role player I don't think they kind of it's just kind of you'd be retreading again kind of like with Mikel's offensive skill set with more passing but he's a cutting maniac he cuts like crazy um but it's just like he's just everywhere and the the defense was more impressive than I thought it would be which is where I felt good about him being a first rounder I'll retread on Wendell Moore same thing good at a lot of stuff great at I don't know but there's this version of him at six, six, seven feet where he's he's an off ball guard and he just does like everything really good and then all of a sudden he is a super duper role player guy where he is not an all star he's a borderline all star because he does everything super well I think it's not crazy for him I wish he was better than like a C plus athlete though there are a lot of guys like that in this draft where it's just like Yeah, Jalen Williams is like if you were so a B many. athlete instead of a C or C minus, like you're in the lot you're not even in the lottery, you're in the top five, my guy, yeah. but not happening. Did you come away from Nemhard on one edge of the table? Here's here's a fun uh walk down memory lane. This is what I wrote. There's a long storied history with four generals picked in the late first round, and early second round to upgrade the backup point guard position. Tyler Ewless, Frank Jackson, Frank Mason, Juwan Evans, Aaron Holiday, friend of the friend of the pod. Uh, Ty Jerome, friend of the pot, I guess. Carson Edwards, uh, nope, those didn't work. Uh, You know who worked? Tyus Jones, Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, Jalen Noel. I kind of pigeonholed him in there, my guy. Peyton Pritchard and Io Dosumu, your guy. Hey, all those worked out pretty great to varying degrees is what I said. So Tyus Jones... Like top three backup point guard, Jalen Brunson all-star potentially, Devontae Graham explosion offensively at least has the skill, Jalen Noel, NBA player, Peyton Pritchard, NBA player, Io DeSumo, probably a starting point guard within a year or two. Where did Nemhard rate for you? Because like Frank Mason and Tyus Jones you just watch them like Frank Jackson, Jawan Evans like clear concerns like Aaron Holiday we had them as well. I think he
1: goes into the Tyus Jones comp where it's you're not going to get Ever 15 point score, maybe 10 assists per game. But when your starting point guard goes down, the coach has no like concerns about just throwing that guy's you're, you're our point guard, nothing will be broken. You're going to run the offense. I don't have to worry about screaming at you to get back or missing an assignment on defense. Like, I think he's that camp where it's one position, but you don't worry about it. And I just don't know if that helps the Suns either. But, yeah, he definitely fits.
0: He shoots well, right? That was the encouraging part so, of this year is that he was shooting a lot more. It's really weird because he went from 9 to 11 points per <sighs> game, but you're like, he's scoring more, right? Because, like, we're seeing this, and then you go back and look, and I use the old game log numbers of uh, that I will pull up in 3. Again, interesting two- how the situation kind of makes you judge differently. Four times last year, he scored 15 or more points. Uh, 13 times this year. Eight games as a junior with at least two threes. He had 19 this year, so he was shooting a lot more. But he was on really great Gonzaga teams and was consummate floor general. Where he's like, "Yeah, Corey Kispert, here you go. I'm better than you, but here you go." Like a Drew Timmy is the playmaking hub of our team. That's like I, I'm fine with that because I'm yeah. Andrew Nemhar and I just want to win and, and play the right way and get everyone set up. Obvious ties to the Suns there. And holy crap, if he turns out to be good, now you have a long-term point guard. I asked you this on the air when you came on the show. Long-term point guard is probably ninth or tenth on your wish list this year. But if you could come out with one in this draft and actually gr- hit on someone that's going to line up next to Booker long-term would have been nice two years ago. With three, four, five <laughs> other guys, that could have taken. Like
1: if you're paying Chris that Paul thing. that much money, forget about how good he is on the court. Um, how valuable would it be to have a guy like that learn from Chris Paul for a year, two years, three years even? And I don't know. I just see a lot of value in that. That's why I think, like the Dyson Daniels thing, I know he's a completely, absolutely completely different player, but I'm just, why this team has not gotten any of those types of young guys where you think our system's good. Come on. Our system's good. We can develop players. I want to see them try that and not botch
0: it. They botched it once. Guess what country Jalen Leque was playing basketball in? China? America! Really? He was in the G League with the Wisconsin Herd, according to Wiki. Well, shows you how much I know. Still think there's an NBA player in there somewhere. I think there is. A lot of other teams will want to find out because that kid can fly hey Kev should I have mentioned backup fives or a center in this whole ranking or no because I saw Jalen Williams J-A-Y-L-I-N Williams out of Arkansas Mm -hmm. I saw Travion Williams out of Wake Forest I saw a couple of centers who were like hey they kind of do Sun stuff they seem kind of interesting and then I was like why would they draft a center with this pick out of all the things for them to do with this pick Christian Coloco Oh, I would love that. Yeah. That that sounds sarcastic, not sarcastic. Oh. I mean, I compared him to Rudy freaking Gobert three months ago. So. I think it'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. You give the MLA to a center, and then you get this rookie again. Like them playing a rookie. It's like, and then again, if he doesn't play year one, it's like, oh my goodness, like what? What is this your Kenneth Lofton Jr. time? <sighs> <laughs> no, I, I just like that guy.
1: I don't think he, I don't know if he's an NBA player. Go watch Kenneth Lofton Jr.
0: You know how old we are? Highlights. Samaki Walker's kid is ranked two picks before him. Scotty Pippen's kid is ranked two guys after him. Jabari Walker didn't really pass the. He didn't pass the Aaron Holiday test for me, buddy. Yeah. We run into it every year. He didn't, but I can understand why people like him. So you're cool with me not naming centers? I'm cool with me not naming centers. I just wanted... Who you got back in the draft, possibly undrafted? Let me tell you a little story, friend, about two guys named, last name Williams yet again. Oh, the draft yeah. of the Williamses. There's a guy named Jonathan. It is spelled J-E-E-N-A-T-H-A-N Williams, who goes to Buffalo. Shout out to the team that eliminated Arizona from the tournament. Yeah, Was he on that team? I think so. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, I think a four-year, four-year guy there. Yeah, I need to look at that box score. It's a good call. <laughs> Vince Williams out of ECU. Uh, they're both six six. They both have seven-foot wingspans. They're both lefties. They both do dribble stuff. They both defend a lot of positions. They're extremely similar players with a little bit, a couple of changes here and there. Uh, Vince, Kevin, I just watched him on defense and I was like, you're a good NBA defender right now. Like now. Right now. Another four-year player again. And that's one of those things where Abaji, you watched him defend, and you're like, you have been in a good program for four years, good sir, because you know how to defend. And you watch Vince Williams, and you're like you've been in a great defensive program for four years. You know how to defend. I just like I, Sohan was number one for me, just because he's actually going to get drafted. Vince Williams might not get drafted, but I watched him play defensively, and I was like, you just know where to be, sir, and you're everywhere. And like it's like that play is getting deflected at the rim, and like it's you're everywhere all the time. Loved his passing. Was it put him in a pick and roll passing? No. Was it just the point five Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges stuff? Yes. But it was again like really strong, really good. Shoots it like Sam Perkins, like I said. A <laughs> little bit of a catapult takes a bit, uh, but you watch him. You're watching him like the semi transition ones I include in the story, where his feet aren't set. Like he's stepping into it. He's coming around screens. Him and Jonathan, both of them, it's like you guys put in a ton of work. Like that's a um that's a huge thing I value of scouting these guys, I guess to use that term. From our perspective is like when I can tell that you've been a hard worker from the way that you have this little thing in your game and the way that those guys shoot off motion, just their footwork. Sometimes it didn't go in, but their footwork, I was like you guys work hard. Like you you yeah. both are hard workers. Jonathan plays like he should be in the lottery. I love it um madman with the ball slasher <laughs> wreaking havoc offensive like he could score 15 points per game in the league if everything falls right for him i mentioned he's frustrating to me because you watch guys in the second round or undrafted and you're like god if you were 610 you just moved like 15 percent faster you're a lottery pick even if you're 22 you're a lottery pick he's and it's like, like a he's, small wing yeah he's two inches he's 6'6 he should be 6'8 um and he's and the yeah it's just like he's not moving as fast, so it's like he's already doing the E.J. Liddell thing where he's shooting through contact a lot, and it's like uh, you should be blowing by guys more, but then his footwork is really, really great. He's got some deceleration stuff that's Luka, like like the Luka kind of thing. Again, just comparing undrafted guys yeah. to Luka freaking Doncic. I'm really killing it here. <laughs> uh, doing really well there. Uh, Jonathan, why do you have to shoot 69% from the line over your career, though? Hate that, because Vince Williams, again, hard work. 69% free throw shooter his freshman year, 81% his senior year. Look at that. Look at that Hard getting work paying better. Off. Vince Williams averaged 14 points per game as a senior as well. Not a guy who I project to be much of a scorer, but yet 14 a game. And he got three and a half free throws a game. I love that. Love that stuff. 1.6 steals, 1.1 blocks. I think the thing that I did with Vince Williams is I lined up again his steals and block percentages and all that kind of stuff. And I looked and said, Okay. NBA prospects here, like guys who were on the NBA radar, like him, where like they were top 80, top 100, or whatever, um, included in there. I think like the whole list in terms of NBA guys, it was like Herb Jones, Draymond, DeLon Wright, Gary Payton, the second. Two. And then I think one other guy that I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now, Matisse, Matisse maybe? Matisse, yeah. It might have been Matisse. I'm not sure. And then I was like, can he be one of those guys? I think there's a really good shot he could be. Huh. I really huh. like him. Yeah. Uh, Jamari Bouye rules. He's you love Bouye. He's super great. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't uh, who was on the call of that game? The San Francisco. Iron Eagle. Yeah, yeah. He was great. Bouye. Yeah, he was like loving Bouye. There's a great moment in the video that I have included. If you guys go uh, read it when it's out, and then click play and just watch until the Bouye. How over the last shot that Bouye hits in the video. Uh, I can't remember who the color guy is, but he's like he's he he wants to shoot this ball, and then he takes like a ridiculous <laughs> step back from thirty and he sure it. does. The Grant Riller-Austin-Reeves hive, as I mentioned in the piece of I care too much about skill on the ball right now, and this guy's a ton of skill on the ball. He can really score. Is he the fastest? No. Is he uh, the biggest? No. But gosh, he he's good with the basketball on his hands, and I think that matters. <clears throat> so that's that.
1: I just realized James Akinjo is on this board not far behind
0: him. Ahead of Bouye, which is outrageous, I must say. Didn't see the Aaron Holiday test there on old James. <laughs> Remember I teased that Jabari Smith set and I couldn't find it? Last yeah, episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us your, Give us your... In SEC play at one point, 93 field goals made off 96 dribbles. Does he have, like, Amari Stoudemire
1: face-up one dribble game? He's supposed to have, like, Kevin Durant game. You're thinking
0: of the wrong guy. I know. Yeah. That's the problem with... Mm-hmm him uh pretty good defender gonna be a great defender probably pretty good shooter probably gonna be a great shooter one of the best probably in terms of if you're looking at measurable 610 all that stuff like one of the best shooting prospects that's come out <laughs> of the draft good, in a huh? really long time just you're talking about again that height the way he shoots it keegan murray is someone i was going to mention for the for the uh top uh, the first part of that series, I was going to put him in there first. I was like, he's not going to be there at six or seven or eight. I think he's going to go five no matter what. Unless team's crazy about Shaden Sharp. I, I think Jaden Ivy should go number one in this draft. I was going to ask you tonight. Jay Williams. I, let's put together, yeah. Um, answered my together. question for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. He was on our station and I asked him this is uh, I compared it to 2018 again and said like are you higher on, than most on Chet Jabari Paolo and then I said like you can mm-hmm. include Shaden and Jaden in here and he's like oh yeah Jaden's mom was a baller and like intangible stuff he's mentioning and then I remember I told him this I was watching the under 18 games last year because like Yama and Holmgren are aliens and I wanted yeah. to see the aliens play each other and then there's <laughs> just this guard who is flying up and down the court like absolutely like electric. A plus plus speed, light Westbrook comparison is what Jay Williams said, and it's not crazy. And it's I'm not. like, who the heck is that? And I looked it up, and he wasn't even in the first round. I was like, what? And he then, averaged like 11 points a game or something. Freshman, he year was just anything. kind of there at Purdue. Yeah. He was a highly thought of recruit, but he's in your uh, Darius Garland rule of he was under 18s, all that kind of stuff. And then in that in those games. The home green games, I was like, holy smokes, look at this kid. I didn't say like he should be a lottery pick or whatever I watched it. I was just curious, why isn't he there? And then sure enough, here he is, number four overall pick. I think he's number one prospect in this class. I think he is. I think he has all the dynamic elements to point guards that you need right now. And then you can play him. I really want to see him go to Detroit. Him and Cade would be awesome. I
1: don't like the top three guys ahead of him. I don't really know if he's that dude, but like you have a really good point.
0: You want to know how many starting point guards weigh more than Chet Holmgren right now? Ooh. It's a couple. I'll... I looked. I scrolled Ooh. through like the top twenty scores at point guard, and it was a, it was a few. Jabari seems safe, which is why he'll go one. I think Paolo could wind up being. I don't. No, I see it, but I only see it to an extent. I think he's more the skill and like upside potential is getting lost on people. There's some like low ceiling arguments there, and it's like why he's already this skilled and he's going to get more skilled in five years. It's not like he's hitting his ceiling. But the defense wasn't great, and like even when he was trying on defense, I was like, I don't know.
1: I think Michael shooting, Beasley has yes. the same skill set, and I think Michael Beasley was a lot better player than him. He was.
0: I mean, Kansas State Michael Beasley is one of the best college basketball players of Ever. all time. he, yeah. was, he was insane.
1: Um, I don't trust it. Keegan Murray, I think I watched a bit of basketball, Iowa basketball because my dad went to Iowa. I think he's someone made a Cam Johnson like comp to him as a negative. But I think like he's solid in that regard, really smart, really balanced, can shoot the crap out of it. Not incredibly athletic. A lot of his stuff is like post ups, which is concerning because it's like, okay, well, great defender. But
0: yeah. I think he's a better app. Prototypical third banana is basically yeah, yeah, what he is. Yeah.
1: So I don't know how I feel about the top five. It's hard to rank them, but they're just like red flags
0: all over. I guess not red flags. Did Peyton Watson pass the uh, Aaron Holiday test for you at UCLA? No. Either. I didn't really see much in the, in the pack. I got to be honest, brother. I didn't no. see much at all.
1: Don't know why he's in the draft.
0: That's how far I'll go with that. Yeah, and to be clear, for me on this draft, like I watched a bit more of the top guys as I got going, but I got down a list of like 20 guys where I was like, oh, Suns guy, kind of. So there's a lot of guys like Jaden Harvey, I had no idea. Marjan Bochamp, not a clue. Kennedy Chandler, mm-hmm. I kind of caught a little bit of Tennessee, and I liked what I saw. Ty Ty Washington, I kind of saw a bit of Kentucky, but like Walker he Kessler, like a 21 I had no ass- idea.
1: Ty Ty had like a 21-assist game but didn't play point guard because John Calipari did the thing like he did with Book where it was just like... You're not
0: really helping his
1: draft stock, but I guess you're a good coach.
0: One of my favorite things about the draft is that you can make money because you have a great personality. And Dalen Terry probably should get picked in the 40s, but he's awesome. And everyone that talked to him is like, we need this guy on our team. We just need him. There was a quote where it was like, how do you feel about being mocked in the 20s? Which, parentheses, is probably too high for you. They didn't say that part, but he was like... Yeah, there's going to be some redrafts in a couple of years, in ten years, and I'm going to be in a different spot. It's <laughs> like, oh, Talon, why'd you have to go, buddy? You could have been they an just, all-timer. Why'd you have to go? Arizona posted a a like
1: two-minute video of him hosting a kids' camp, and it's just like, oh yeah, that's why. Like, yeah, that's... Great, just great dude. I don't know if his shot's legit,
0: but passing, dribble, defense—it's got everything. So that the shot comes together, and then you've got like an A-plus character teammate guy who is going to like who wants to be a role player. And works like... Kind of like Mikkel. Yeah. He's top at five or ten. Like Coloco, him and Coloco are both on like the amount of progress I saw them make year to year. Like Nick Johnson got so much better every year. Mm-hmm. He's probably number one for me, but he's right there. Like he got better. A lot. He passed the Aaron Holiday test, too, to be clear. Yes. But it's like in the 40s. Not, not in the 20s, but I completely... He passed the Aaron
1: Holiday test for having a good game when he scored like five points.
0: Incredible kid. I don't know why is not going in the first round. I just don't see... I don't get why teams aren't seeing what he is in the league. Uh, shout out to Grant Williams getting David Roddy a four-year guarantee oh, because someone no, is going no, to take no, him no. in the first round because I think he's the next Grant Williams. I saw Grant Williams' comparison to EJ Liddell, and I'm like, what? Did David Roddy also have the personality
1: of... Like, the we best person ever?
0: No, we shouldn't talk about David Roddy's personality without knowing David Roddy's personality, because yeah. we don't want to slight him accidentally. or No place. idea, but... I have zero identity on this uh, international class outside of Nikola Jovich existing, and me wanting him to be on the Nuggets, obviously, so uh, <laughs> Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jovich can be teammates, because it would be funny. It's going to be a fun draft night. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully there are fireworks involving the Suns. I we feel good about it right something something's going at the very least they're finally going to be a part of the first like two dozen undrafted signings like when the picks are in the 50s and they're already tweeting out uh, lou dort's going to oklahoma city or whatever i think the suns are going to be in that market eventually they got to be yeah not shaving my head if they tri- if they buy Dude, a pick i took the thunder literally week, to be clear send but- them cash they can
1: do a cash considerations move just to make an appearance here do it and for like, us and like
0: minnesota's at 40 and 48 it's like you guys don't need 40 and 48 you're already like have like a full roster for next year as it is there's a lot of teams like that where they just have two or three too many san antonio even is like 20 and 26 and it's like you guys have like joshua primo devin Vassell, kellen johnson Burr, lonnie
1: walker like you have a lot of dudes the new orleans pelicans at eight don't really need anything either kellen
0: Yeah, that was like, I think it was Kevin O'Connor's mock draft where he was like, yeah, I don't know what this team needs. Like, They just need Zion to be healthy. And I was like, yep, pretty much. But they're going to get Ben Matherin or someone like that. Cam
1: Johnson can get the rotation there.
0: (sighs) Who? Okay, quick uh, to to wrap here. Who are the three guys out of this whole class, including Arizona guys, who you're like the most invested in seeing where they land? Ivy, by default for me, is number one. Because if he goes to Sacramento, that's where Uh... dreams go to die. Terry, I
1: want to see where he lands. Sohan, because I Sohan think, for me. Okay, this is two for very different reasons. Like Sohan's, like that a good team that develops someone is going to get a star. If the Kings took him, for example, it would be bad. So what you just said
0: uh, for Johnny Davis, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. It's like if he lands in the right situation, right development, good team. Like, do you the just, Knicks
1: have a pick around there?
0: Sort of, I think so. Like, I, I don't know remember. if that'd be good or bad. Because Jaden Ives has been talking about going to the Knicks, so I think they do. Okay. That's my three, I think. Those three guys. And then obviously, like, Vince Williams in the undrafted pool, but he doesn't <laughs> count. And Chamari Bouillet. I won't be going to Summer League. I'm sad. I would have looked forward to watching those guys, but oh well. I got places to be. Things to do indeed uh so you and i have like a sporadic schedule the next two weeks where next weekend i'm in chicago or this weekend i'm in chicago next weekend after that you're out that's july 4th weekend but all of this is to say we will do our best to podcast when we can i already told you like if something happens and while i'm in chicago like i'll i'll record from my hotel room i don't care post draft Um, pod yeah we'll we'll have a post draft pod on thursday we'll both be in here on thursday and uh, I'm going to Chicago for Forbidden Door. I'm super psyched. I can't wait. I can't talk about it anymore. I'm going to get too excited. We might have something on Thursday's post-draft pod from the Suns because uh, Javelle McGee's charity softball game is on Wednesday. Yeah. I think at least Mikel Bridges will talk to me now, based on that Twitter interaction I just had with him. I think he'll, <laughs> he doesn't think he'll talk to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. Ish will say hi. Ish is just the best rules. Else... Book will be there, I believe. I'll wave, I'll wave at him. What's up, man? Hope your yeah. summer is going well. You want to talk for two? Okay.
1: Enjoy your summer. We don't want to get into the Hollywood Reporter.
0: No. Okay. Bye, everyone. (laughs)